Welcome to Parents Matters, the podcast. I'm Bruna, and this is another episode of our second summer short series. The aim of this series is to bring weekly bite-sized episodes through July and August, covering different papers our team at the Centre for Appearance Research has recently published. I'm here today with Fabio Zucchelli, who's a Senior Research Fellow at CAR. Hi, Fabio. Hello. Hi, Bruna. Can you tell me the name of the paper that we're talking about today? Sure. Title was... Do congenital and acquired causes of visible difference predict distinct appearance-related psychological and social outcomes? And we published that in the uh, journal Body Image. And I should mention that the the paper is open access, meaning that anyone um, with the internet can read it. Amazing, good stuff. And who were your co-authors? Um, there are a few of us. So the, the co-authors were Maria van Dalen, Radhika Batia, uh, Paul White, Claire Hamlet, and Diana Harcourt. And was the work funded by anyone in particular? Yeah, it came under our broad research programme, which was funded by the VTCT Foundation, which has been running for a few years now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, good stuff. So what were you trying to find out with this study, Fabio? A question that seems to have popped up quite often over the years uh, in various settings um, from various different people has been whether whether it's more challenging um, psychologically and socially for people who have had a, a visible difference um, from birth or soon after birth or whether it was acquired later in life. So people have opinions. Um, I think people have quite strong opinions, but it's a question that hasn't really ever been answered empirically. Uh, Dr. Kathleen Bogart um, from the US has done some great work um, looking specifically in facial palsy, and she actually found something that she called a congenital advantage meaning that people with congenital forms of facial palsy appear to, um, on average, fare better um, psychologically than those who'd had an acquired version of facial palsy. It's not known across the various different causes of visible differences, so that was what we aim mm-hmm. to do. And I think the rationale is is that there are two sides to it. So on the side of the congenital advantage, hypothesis as it, is, as it was, there's the idea that you know people have developed their identity with their visible difference from such a young age. There was no real shock to the self-concept and maybe these people might have greater experiences of managing challenges that are associated with having a visible difference. Uh, But on the other hand, people who acquire a visible difference uh, may not have grown up, all things being equal, that is, may not have grown up with the kind of teasing and bullying that can be related to having a visible difference. So they may have less what called small t trauma, which is like repeated experiences of rejection or other social um, isolation and less self-stigma. So there are two sides to it, really. So we didn't really go into it with an expectation, like a one-sided hypothesis. So essentially you were trying to assess the impact of the broad causes of physical difference on um, kind of psychosocial outcomes. That's right. And by broad causes, categorising into the two congenital. Right. So whether someone was born with a visible difference or at least um, formed at pre-memory, so under the age of three, or if they'd acquired it after that age. We did a cross-sectional online survey for people with a range of different visible differences in the UK um, from a community setting so that it wasn't people from the National Health Service. We recruited over 300, around 330, and we had quite a nice even split of people um, with congenital versus acquired conditions. Uh, I think over two thirds of the group were women. Um, basically, we used a series of validated scales. In terms of the psychosocial outcomes that we were looking at, 
we wanted to measure the most kind of pertinent outcomes to the group. And we know that um, those that tap into appearance-related concerns are the most uh, relevant in terms of the commonalities across the different causes of visible difference. So we looked at appearance satisfaction, so how satisfied people are with their appearance, uh, also the extent to which worries about their appearance uh, got in the way of them engaging in everyday life, uh, social appearance anxiety, so social anxiety that specifically relates to their appearance, and also distress related to intimacy in romantic relationships. Uh, we also looked at some co-variables, so some other factors that we thought might influence the outcomes, things like demographics, dispositions, so optimism, resilience, perceived social support, uh, as well as how visible they felt their visible differences to other people and how easily it could be disguised. That all sounds great, Fabio. And what were the key findings? The key, the main finding is probably very simple. Basically, there were no differences in any of the outcomes between mm -hmm. the two groups being congenital uh, or acquired uh, forms of visible difference. So essentially, our findings didn't support the congenital hypothesis uh, across this range of different causes of differences because we included people mm -hmm. a, a really wide range of different causes. Uh, but instead, it was the perceived level of social support, uh, so typically around family and friends, as well as optimism, and also how disguisable people felt that visible difference was that did more consistently and statistically predict those outcomes. And what's the implication of these findings, do you think, in practice? Essentially, it, it, it suggests that um, feeling like you have adequate social support, being optimistic and perceiving a visible difference as disguisable, those three things appear to be more consequential on average um, to the kind of appearance related distress in people with visible difference than its timing in terms of whether it was around birth or acquired later. Mm -hmm. And I hope that that's maybe a potentially empowering message because those things, social support, optimism, uh, those two things particularly are, are things that we can actually do something about, um, whereas timing obviously isn't, um, especially when social support can include, as well as family and friends, also peer community and the kind of communities that charities can support to, to, to create around people's lives. A couple of things I just wanted to note. Firstly, that it's really mm -hmm. important to note that these are sample level findings. Clearly, any one individual person's experience is likely to be unique and differ to you know the average result that we found. And there is clearly likely to be quite a subjective difference in people's experiences of growing up with a visible difference uh, versus developing it later in life. Mm -hmm. So I do want to kind of note that, that this was a between subjects design. Right. And I think maybe the most important thing is that recognising that the root problem is not people's level of optimism or their perceived social support. It's actually that people with a visible difference feel the need to disguise their difference. So that's really social stigma. So that's a population level problem. And so the kind of campaigning and changing attitudes towards visible difference, that's the, the real work that goes on. Um, but we also need to support people who are struggling right now as well. Well, thank you so much, Fabio, for sharing that. That's really interesting. And for anyone who's interested in visible difference literature and research um, will definitely be a finding that will I'm sure spark some kind of conversations and debate and before we can let you go of course because this is our summer short series and um, please can you tell us what your favorite summer snack is a favorite summer snack um mm -hmm. well I just made a big bowl of hummus so I'd probably go with that um, you can probably smell the garlic across the airwaves <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, you enjoy your hummus, Fabio. And um, thank, thank you so you much. much again for, um, for joining us and telling us about your research.
Thanks, Bruno. And thank you for listening to Appearance Matters, the podcast. This has been another episode of our summer short series, bringing you brief weekly episodes focused on recently published work from colleagues at the Centre for Appearance Research. As always, please do make sure you rate and review and tune in next week for another summer short.